that's exactly what takes place for most households is family time as well, too. Do you realize that there are, is, this is going to be one of the busiest travel seasons of the year since 2019. Um, and 2019 was a record year, and we may surpass that record this year with travel. People going different places. They're going to see different family members. A lot of them are driving. Um, some are flying. But this may be one of the busiest years for travel for Christmas. So it means something to get with other family members and spend time with them as well, too. And so if you are traveling, be safe out there. Amen? Um, Be careful as you go. Always keep an eye on what's going on around you. But enjoy the time that you have with your family. Make the most of it. Don't waste it. Um, We're all getting a little bit older. And we recognize that you need to live every day for Jesus Christ as if it's your last day. I'll just say it like that. That's not in any way trying to be morbid about it. I'm just saying live every day for Jesus as if it's your last day. Because that's how we're supposed to live. Amen? And with all that yakking that I just did just now, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we are so thankful for your presence this morning. We are thankful for the teaching that's going to come through the words provided here. Lord, we thank you where not my words are being used, but your words. And not my understanding, but your understanding, Lord, is to be conveyed to the audience here today. We thank you for your loving kindness and your presence. We thank you for loving us so much that you gave of yourself for us. And Lord, we can't emphasize that enough, how much you love us. We often think about what it is to not have a relationship with Jesus and the things that result from that, the consequence of that. But Lord, you have loved us from the very beginning. May we embrace the love that you have for us. And in doing so, may we share with others your goodness and that love that you have shown for us as well, too. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This year has gone by so quickly. It's December the 17th. And we're a one week away from Christmas. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve, which is typically one of the busiest shopping days of the entire year. And some people like to get out on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, excuse me, and get out there just for the fun of it and enjoy the atmosphere and stuff like that. Many of you may be already done with your Christmas shopping, but there are real traditional diehards out there who enjoy that excitement of last-minute shopping. I don't know if you're going to find any real deals out there. You might. I don't know, though. I don't think so. I remember a long time ago in another universe where there was a Revco, listen to this name, Revco Drugstore open very close to the Zaire Department Store. Remember those commercials, one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, shop, whatever it was, that's what they said. Well, this was in another time of life, and I was there across from Thistledown Racetrack. For those of you who are familiar with Cleveland, you'll know all those names I just mentioned. I was in the Revco store standing in line with gifts, gifts for me and my family, and there were about ten of us getting checked out just before midnight. Even though it was at the very last minute, I haven't forgotten that part of the experience to this day. All of us in line had smiles on our faces because we got what we needed for gifts. I don't know, shavers, razors, whatever you get at a drugstore, right? You get presents like that. And the next thing to look forward to was to wrap presents at around 3 a.m. Christmas Day. As far as I was concerned, that was mission accomplished. Got it done right before the end. Well, this message is not about what you're doing next week. This is about the week before Christmas. And the week before Christmas is a marker for a number of people that are actively preparing for Christmas and everything that it brings. The website Lifetime Organizing is out there for people who have no idea what they're doing right now when it comes to organization. 
for whatever reason, they cannot conceptualize what needs to be done just before Christmas. You would think it would be easy for some folks. No, not really. Some people really just kind of flounder through this time of year. So I'm going to give you a checklist that Lifetime Organizing provides to help those people out. Now, as a clue, I'm going to tell you that they note that your Christmas shopping should have been done yesterday. Yesterday. Sunday, December 17th. Finish wrapping all gifts. Same day. Write your menus and grocery lists for the week of Christmas, including special food for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and ingredients for holiday baking. Monday, December 18th, this is tomorrow, buy groceries for the week, including all your special Christmas foods. Tuesday, December 19th, finish making all your Christmas goodies, such as Christmas cookie and candy. Wednesday, December 20th, and Thursday, December 21st, clean your house and finish decorating if needed. (laughs) Friday, December 22nd, Saturday, December 23rd, make all food and snacks for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Sunday, December 24th, and and Monday, December 25th, time to celebrate and enjoy time with your family and friends. And meanwhile, you'll probably collapse in the process with all that. Now, for those of you that are this year's designated planners, because some of you already have this down pat, these are all suggestions. You don't have to follow exactly what takes place here. And some of you may have already had this stuff done for you super preparers out there. But the real world, frankly, dictates that your life plan at Christmas time may be much closer to my Revco example from before rather than what lifetime organizing claims. Either way, the week before Christmas is much more than planning or shopping before company comes over. The week before Christmas should be a week of reflection on the reason for this season. This week before Christmas should include a time of reflection as to the goodness of Jesus Christ and the fact that it was planned all along for Jesus to become like one of us to be our perfect sacrifice in love. Here's the thing that I want all of us to see. We all understand what it is to rush around town before we can slow down and celebrate Christmas. But let's also remember that all of us must have hearts of gratitude in anticipation of not just Christmas Day, but the reason for Christmas Day. The appearance of Christ and the expectation of the second coming of Christ. Now, I say this with a cautionary tone because Christmas, for some, honestly, is not a great time of the year. And I'm sensitive to this fact. If Christmas time is not a good time for someone, friends and family, and that includes all of us, need to rally around that other person by being a reflection of the life of Christ and sharing the peace that only Jesus can bring. You want to make it a little bit easier for them as much as you can. And remember that just sometimes it's a good idea just not to say anything, but give hugs, say we're here for you, we'll talk if you need, you know, if you need to talk, we can talk. But be sensitive to those things. If I can share one thing that will help you through this season, it's this. Don't live as if you have to suck it up and deal during Christmas when memories of grief and sorrow over loss bubble up. Give all of it to Jesus. Give all of it to Jesus. It's not about getting over it. It's about getting through it with Jesus. All the more reason to use this time to really draw upon the peace of God. And don't we need peace? Amen? Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 14. Let's look at verse 27. John 14, 27. John 14, verse 27. I'll be reading from the NIV version. John 14, 27. 
These are the words of Jesus. And, and this is something that's really important for us to understand. When we read his word, we need to internalize what he's saying to us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. This peace that Jesus lives, leaves for us and gives to us is what we always need to center back on in times of difficulty. And we'll talk more about peace later on in the message as well, too. Now go over to Philippians 4. This will be a familiar passage. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. We have to remind ourselves when anxiety hits to try to throw it off as best we can. It says in verse 6 of Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And let's finish in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here's a clue. If you're thinking about all these things that it talks about here in verse 8, you're not sinning. You're focused on Jesus. Because a lot of these things that are being talked about here are actually elements or the result of being involved with the fruits of the Spirit. We readily recognize the business and busyness of this time of year. But even when we know that we should find ways to pace ourselves and slow down, what often happens is that we move from one busy task to another busy task. And we find ourselves making excuses why we can't take the time for self-care because there are so many things that need to be accomplished. Well, let's now take our minds off of the secular events of Christmas and there's a ton of that, and focus more on the spiritual aspect of Christmas. Let's carve out some time right now to focus on these things that are good and pleasing for us and for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice how I said carve out the time. You have to make the time to do this. It's not just going to fall in your lap. You've got to say, I'm doing this right now. I learned something from my dad um, a, well, last year, actually. I learned something from him last year. Every Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening at 7 o'clock, he leads the household in devotions. Well, that's Saturday at 7. And I said to myself, hmm, because I wasn't doing that. If anything, I was preparing for next Sunday. But I also found that it was a very valuable time for me to carve out and sit and go over the daily reading, the two-year Bible plan, whatever it is, with my wife. And my lovely bride now looks forward to that time with me. It's on the calendar. You realize you have to put stuff on the calendar sometimes. Amen? It's on my calendar. That's how life has been lately. Everything is on the calendar. But that's how you carve out time. If you don't put it on the calendar, what can happen? I've got to do that busy thing again. You see what I'm saying? You have to do this. I can't do it for you. Pastor Gus can't do it for you. You have to do this. How many of you are aware of Advent? Advent is going on right now. It's the meaning of the word Advent is coming. That's what Advent means, coming. 
And what are we talking about as far as coming is going? It's the celebration of Christmas for a few weeks before its official date of December 25th. It is essentially a countdown of the celebration of the comings of Jesus Christ. The comings. Christmas, as we know, is a celebration of the birth of Jesus. That's the first advent of Christ. But Advent also references the next two visits of Jesus. What are those? The gathering of the body of Christ, his church in the air, and the second advent of Jesus Christ, his return to earth. For believers in Jesus, these next two events should be well worth your attention. Amen? You're looking forward to his coming, his return. Especially for believers, the return and the rapture of the church. Suffice it to say that Jesus, during his first trip to earth, came specifically to be our Savior. Our Savior. That was his purpose. His returns to earth will be to gather his bride, the church, and then not much longer after that, he's going to return with his feet on the ground to reign and to render judgment. Advent gives us a greater focus on how Jesus has revealed himself and how he will reveal himself in the future. And remind you, let me remind you of something too about Jesus' return. It's imminent. It's imminent. It's any time. Nothing else has to, hap- has to happen in Scripture to permit Jesus to return. It's all there. Advent begins traditionally on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. This year it began on December 3rd. And it involves keeping the life that we live in perspective with the recognition of Christ as the center of everything and everything that we do. Everything we do. How are we able to go out and do the things that we do? How are we able to go out and live? Christ enables it. We're here because he's allowing us to be here to do that. We're permitted to be here. We can't do anything without Jesus. And we sometimes have to remember that and remind ourselves over and over again. Who got you out of bed this morning? Jesus did. Who helps you to rest at night? Jesus does. Every now and then I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I don't know why I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, there are obvious reasons why you get up at night. You have to go to the bathroom. I got that, right? But sometimes you just wake up. And there's no reason for it. So what's the natural thing to do while you're trying to go back to sleep? Think of Jesus. Think of him. Pray for rest. Pray for peace. If you're serious about following Advent, because Advent is something that you can do if you want to, and please don't treat it like it's one more thing to do at Christmas time. That's not how you should be looking at it. If anything, it helps you to get more focus on Jesus during Christmas time. In fact, if you were lighting the candle today, uh, it's about joy. Joy is talked about. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. All of this is being done to reflect upon the appearance of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins and that he is going to indeed return again. Is there any time of the year it's not really cool to talk about Jesus? Of course there isn't. We have a calendar that says Easter means we talk about the resurrection. Well, you talk about the resurrection all year long. You talk about the coming of Christ all year long. You talk That's 365 days a year. I've selected four themes that will help us to prayerfully see more of Jesus during this time of year. Each of these are a reflection of Jesus and the fruits of the Spirit that we are to live by. These are all celebrated, by the way, during Advent. For the record, we should pray that all believers center on these things to help make today's world a better place. Let me ask you a question. Does this world need to be made a better place? Do believers have a role in that? Amen. Believers really should not be in the business of complaining about how busy things are or how crazy things are. Believers need to be the ones to be the cheerleaders around in our world today. 
Because we have something to cheer about. We have something to praise about. It's the goodness of Jesus. Amen? Well, let's try that again. We have something to cheer about when it comes to Jesus. Amen? Much better. Number one, you can write these down too. Hope and faith. Hope and faith. Not the names of two people in the audience, but hope and faith. Because we have a hope and a faith in the audience. Amen. So I, I really wasn't thinking about you both when I was writing this, but hope and faith. If you were to look up the word hope in the dictionary, one of the definitions is a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. That sounds like a word salad, doesn't it? Not meant to. But it involves feelings of expectation, and there is a focus on a future event or events that one looks forward to. That's what hope is. There's an expectation. Advent is a way for us to focus on the coming of Christ, and it is also a reminder that we look forward to an eternity with him in our future. What's the whole purpose of getting saved? Eternal life with Jesus in the future. That's the purpose. As we only have the capability of retaining knowledge of the past and living merely in the present, the future is always going to be a mystery for every human being. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know the specifics of the day that's going to unfold for us. We don't. You have to get into the moment and find out. How do we reconcile this with our own human reasoning? How do we reconcile the fact that we don't know what's happening in the future? It comes from the reality that we can't reconcile it at all unless we have faith. Faith is how we handle what's going to happen in the future. Faith is believing that something's going to happen. It goes with the hope that we're talking about. Faith allows us to reconcile the promises of God, which is based on what is written in his word, and believe that he will fulfill his promise based upon his track record. Does God have a track record with you? Where he has fulfilled promises, he's answered prayer, he's done things in your life, and therefore that gives him a lot of credibility when it comes to this faith thing we're talking about. I mean, let's face it, it's kind of hard to trust people sometimes because they'll, they'll say they'll do something or make a promise, but there have been times when we have been, that promise has been broken, something happened where it didn't get fulfilled. We don't put our hope in people. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't. Because we know that sometimes they're going to they're gonna mess up, they're going to fail, something's going to happen. But our Heavenly Father keeps all of his promises. He has a track record. As we have the infallible word of God at our fingertips and the ability to seek the Lord at any time with prayer and communication, he's going to help us in our faith. As we go, if we simply rely upon him as a resource and trust him, and that's the thing. He says he's going to do what he's going to do, but we have to trust that. Amen? Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. You'll see the words faith and hope being used in the same sentence. But we see how they go hand in hand. Hebrews 11, verse 1. NIV version. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Do not see. Note the words confidence and assurance that we just read. The New Living Translation refers to faith as the reality of what we hope for and the evidence 
of things we cannot see. That's how strong faith can be. We'll have evidence before us, but we can't see it. We don't know what it is, but it's our reality. Remember, unbelievers don't have this ability. Unbelievers don't think anything about, well, my reality is I'm going through blah, 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 and I don't know who this Jesus is you're talking about, but uh, that just seems like a pipe dream to me. I hope you've never heard that verbally from anybody, but that's essentially what comes up. That's in the mind of an unbeliever. They don't rely on faith and they don't rely on hope. They're just trying to get by day after day. What a lousy experience that's got to be. All of this that we just talked about, confidence, assurance, reality, evidence, it speaks of the fulfillment of a promise that only God can reassure us. God is the only one who can reassure us. God is the only one who can make us feel better about the situation. We have hope because of our faith. We have hope because of our faith. It is a necessity within your relationship with Jesus. You have to have faith from the jump. Drop down to verse 6. Hebrews 11, if you're still there. Hebrews 11, verse 6. We have to have faith. It's a requirement. We have to have faith, honestly. We believe that Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. Death should be much less of a mystery to us than the average person because of the promises of God through Jesus Christ. But faith is so important. Look what it says in verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. How in the world are we to please God if we don't have faith? How can we do it? Well, we can't. Because the word impossible means it's impossible to please him without faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We have a world out there who do not, a lot of them don't believe that God exists, that Jesus existed as a Savior. They might not, they can't argue with history. Jesus is a historical figure. But they may doubt or question his ability to be a Savior. Well, guess what? Without faith, where would we be with that? It's the same thing. We've got to believe it. Our challenge every day is to take our life in this world and frankly, often redirect. Redirect our way back to a place where our focus is on living for Jesus and service for him as if it was our last day on earth. If you live according to the world, you will not be able to focus on Jesus. You won't. If anything, signs of Jesus are coming out of Christmas for some folks. You know, watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is cool, I guess. It's fine, you know. And you want to see the grumpy Santa every time you turn on Rudolph. Watch Santa Claus, who's got a bad attitude and all that. But you know what? Santa has a bad attitude. He's a reflection of the world sometimes. I know I'm talking about a kid's story and Santa with a bad attitude, but... How often do you run into people at Christmas time It's just miserable, miserable to be around them? If you live according to the world, you're not going to be able to focus on Jesus. But if you live by the lyrics of the hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, you'll do much better. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. One of the things that I admittedly calms me down in moments of stress like this are humming or singing psalms. Singing hymns, psalms or hymns anyway. It's because I have learned that if I want to take the immediate stresses of life off my back, I need to sing to myself or hum a hymn 
that puts my focus directly on Jesus. It begins there because it's important for all of us to get into God's word and be reassured of his calming presence. Don't we need to be calmed down sometimes? He never fails on delivering us time and again, too. If you just ask him, he'll be there to help it. He'll be there to help you. Turn to Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Now, we're still talking about hope and faith here. We're getting to the end almost, but hope and faith is pretty necessary before we even go to the other subjects we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. Romans 15, verse 13. This is the English Standard Version. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Abound in hope. Use this time in this season to get yourself to a place where nothing else really matters but the goodness of God in your relationship with Jesus. He is our hope. The goodness of God. And sometimes we have to refocus and reflect on the goodness of God. Has God been good to you? Amen? Has God been good to you? There are things that we can point to. We have markers in our life that help us to reflect upon the goodness of God. Take a look at Hebrews 10.23, real quick. Hebrews 10.23. And we have this hope and we have this faith because he's faithful. He is faithful. He's a faithful God. He stands behind his word. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. He's a God of truth. He cannot deny himself. He's always going to stand in his word. And he's going to keep those promises for us. The things that he talks about in scripture, he's going to do those things. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You can't have a better assurance. You know, you can't have a better assurance than what Jesus has provided for us. There's no better. Point number two. Peace. Peace. Remember we said we were going to talk about peace? Peace is also something that is celebrated during Advent. Peace. We serve a Savior that also desires to lessen our burdens. And give us the peace that the world can never give to us. Amen. The world can't give us peace. What's going on in the world right now? Conflict. Conflict. This continues. Go to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It's always important for us as we go through these messages to Pull from Scripture the very things that we need to hear and understand. And sometimes, you know, people say, I needed that right then and there. That's great. Because God is good. He wants you to know his truth. He wants you to feel secure. He wants you to experience his peace. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. NIV version. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. How many of that, how how does that apply to all of us? Weary and burdened? You better believe it. Amen? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The very core of you, the very 
being of you, you will find rest in Jesus. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. I'm going to read to you John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. This is Jesus speaking. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. You're going to have trials. He's telling the truth. You already know that. Track record. He's telling you something that's true about what's going you're going to have to go through. You're going to have to go through trials and sorrows. Tough times. Difficult situations. Situations where you don't quite know what the answers are. But he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. I want you to experience the peace that comes from me. Our world will always be filled with conflict because that's what the world always offers. That's what the world does. It's stressful and it can cause consternation and feelings of helplessness. But you can't worry about something that Jesus already knows about and is well within his control. You can't worry about it. Give your burdens to him and experience his peace. Now that's up to you to give him, as your, give him your burdens. Because if you want to, you can keep carrying those burdens around. It's free country. You can keep hanging on to those burdens all you want to and saying, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what song you'd be singing after that. <laughs> all right. The third point is love. Love. These principles are in no particular order of importance, by the way. They all have value as we draw nearer to our Lord and Savior. But of these principles, love is the very nature and essence of God. He is all about love. He said that in his word over and over again. Call on me and I'll answer. That's a love response. He came to earth as a Savior because God loves us beyond measure. Where does that come from? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's love. John 3.16, you knew that. Our lives must be a reflection of Jesus and his love for all mankind. If he loves us, we are to love others the way he loves us. That's how you make a difference in the world. Love. Our gospel message must be shared with faith, hope, and love. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is actually going to talk about love. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 7, and then we're going to look at also verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you listen to messages that come from me, you're going to hear a lot of repetition of verses. And that's for reinforcement, everybody. Because we need reinforcement. We can't... It's cool to go to Haggai and the prophets and stuff like that and go through the Old Testament. But let's face it, we need reinforcement in this world today. I've said over and over again, I can't watch the news on TV anymore. I won't watch the news on TV anymore. You better believe I keep up with what's going on but I'm not going to watch the news because it's discouraging. There's nothing encouraging about watching the news. 1 Corinthians 13, go to verse 4. Read on with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. When love is absent, how do you address all this other stuff? When love is absent, 
How do you handle this other stuff? Drop down to verse 13, or verse 12, excuse me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We're looking forward to the day when we get to see Jesus face to face. Right now you look in the mirror, you see yourself. What do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Is love a part of the way that you live? A very important part of the way you live. In fact, it's really all about what you should be doing. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. I'll read it. You can jot down the verse. But it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. I guess that's written for men. It's kind of making a comment. It's not telling women to act like men. It's telling men to act like men. Be faith, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Remember those commercials with hefty paper towels? Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Well, I mean... God is not asking us to be wimpy. We need to be like men. Men, be strong in the faith. In verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. And that's talking to the men too. Let all that you do be done in love. And of course the ladies know that's a principle for them too. But sometimes us guys need to personalize this stuff too about how we're supposed to act. Because there's a bunch of folks out there that could care less about anybody but themselves. You have seen it. You know what I'm talking about. I don't have to get into news or look at articles and explain this stuff. I see a lot of self-focused people who don't give a rip about you. And the world needs to teach them if they're willing to listen on how to live for Christ in love. Men act like men. Do what you're supposed to do. The fourth point is joy. Joy. A great Christmas card to hand out is one with the word joy stamped on the front of the card. Just the big word joy. Joy is more than just a happy feeling. It's interesting how often we use the word happiness as a means of getting through the cares of life. Problem is, happiness on its own merit only goes so far. It does. It does. Happiness is temporal. I mean, it's cool to be happy, don't get me wrong, but that's not what joy is. And we have to understand, too, sometimes happiness is often rooted in our own desires. Notice that happiness is not one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Happiness is not a characteristic of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy comes directly from the relationship that we have with Jesus. Go to Galatians 5. Let's look at verses 22 through 24. Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. This is from the English Standard Version. But the fruit of the Spirit, you knew where I was going with this, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You notice how a lot of folks just don't have any self-control? Self-control is a godly attribute. Amen? Self-control. 
I was watching a video last, well, let me finish the passage, sorry. My mind is racing here. Verse, verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. I'm just going to say very quickly, when you watch people who are in trouble and they're, and they're not living right, they don't have any self-control. And goodness knows when they get called on and get arrested, they act out like fools. I can't go to jail. I didn't do anything. What did I do? Now, I, I make light of that, and I really don't mean to, but self-control in this world is just doesn't really exist. If in a worldly environment, it just doesn't exist. And that's why you see all this crazy behavior. Because Satan is very, very active. And there's a lot of folks out here who are honestly are demon-possessed. You must understand that. And the only way you overcome that is through the power of Jesus Christ. You be the representative for Christ in these kinds of interactions, these kinds of conversations you're having with people. Joy is rooted in contentment. Contentment that all is well because of Jesus Christ. All is well, you're content in Christ. His presence in your life should cause you to rejoice. Do you rejoice? You know, when you're singing a hymn or a song, that's a form of rejoicing. You're recognizing who Jesus truly is. Rejoice isn't about being loud either. It can be. It doesn't have to be. But rejoicing means you really are embracing this faith you have in Jesus. He chose you to be in his family. He wants you to trust in him and experience the joy that only comes from him. Because he loves you. Go to 1 Peter. I want you to read this one, though. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love what Peter is writing here. You can't see him, but you love him anyway. You don't see him now, but you believe in him. And for that, you rejoice. Because you know that he's going to stand behind his word. And guess what he's taking care of? Your very souls with salvation. That's a reason to celebrate. I love John's words that follow about the essence of a healthy relationship with Jesus and the joy that comes from it. And that's in John 15, verses 9 to 11. You can turn to it. I'm going to start reading pretty quickly, though. Because our time is about to end here. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Your joy may be full. And every now and then, your tank on joy may be running a little bit empty, and you've got to get it refilled. And Jesus will take care of that for you. We all have to take the time during this busy season to experience the love of Jesus Christ the wonder of his first appearance, and the expectation of his return. He's coming back soon. It is the presence of Jesus in our lives, now and in the future, 
that bring, bring us great peace and the fullness of joy. And that's the point, everybody. Once with Jesus, always with Jesus, for all eternity. It's not just right now. We've got a lot to look forward to. And eternity is a long time. And that's wonderful. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Father, we thank you for your very presence this morning. We thank you for how you teach us and how you encourage us with your words. Lord, we thank you for how you remind us during a busy season like Christmas that we have to carve out time to celebrate who you are. And we thank you, Lord, for reminding us of this. We thank you for helping to keep things in perspective. And we thank you, Lord, for the reminders that indeed you are worthy of our praise. Bless this group, Lord. Bless those present. Bless them with the reassurance that you're always there when you call upon us. When we call upon you, excuse me. You're always there when we call upon you. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching and we thank you for the encouragement. We pray for those people too who have a hard time this year around Christmas time. We pray, Lord, that we are sensitive to those people and we lift them up before you, Lord, that you will strengthen and encourage them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the peace that you bring to us. Thank you for the hope. And thank you for joy. Bless us and keep us, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.